This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. Uh, my guest today is a return guest. First time he was here was uh, at least 12 years ago. David Meerman Scott's The New Rules of Marketing and PR is the book that showed me all of the ways that Web 2.0 tools were democratizing the, uh, the way we communicate. Uh, share information. David, welcome back to the show, man. Mark, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, and, you know, keep the books coming and we'll be back here, you know, whenever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Very so um, this seventh edition in 13 years, so kudos on that. I, I'm pissed uh, <laughs> and, and jealous. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it's really interesting having seen where this book has gone. And you and I spoke on the first, when the first edition came out back in 2007. And um, where we've come since then, it's kind of remarkable. And I knew that when the first edition came out, I knew I was on to something. But I had no idea that it would have the legs that it's had. Um, one always hopes, but you don't even think about that the first time out. No, I thought, I mean, I thought I had a great idea. You know, the, the web is not about advertising. The web is about creating great content. You know, that the new rules of marketing and PR are that you create blogs and podcasts and videos and participate in social media. The old rules of marketing are that you spend a boatload of money on advertising and, and um, try to bug the media to write or broadcast about you. And, and it seemed at the time that was really, really radical. <laughs> um, uh, and so we, you know, it's cool that the idea, the, the strategy is absolutely still the same. Um, all that's really changed, the reason I have to keep updating it, is we have different tools, different ideas, um, and I, I throw in a bunch of different stories as well. You tell great stories in these. I mean, one of my favorites we'll get to uh, shortly, actually. But uh, I, want, I want to explain again the, the impact this had on me. I joined LinkedIn in 2004. Your first edition, first two or three editions, didn't even talk about LinkedIn. You were simply talking about the democratization of uh, sharing information, how people could do it, and telling these great stories. But what, when I read this in 07, I looked at my stuff on LinkedIn, which was pretty much nothing, and I thought, I can do this stuff here in a business environment and build a community around my government contracting business. Right, so, right, which you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, the book has been an invaluable thing, but I, I want to move on to what I just referenced. One of my favorite stories from the early editions is the United Airlines story of Dave Carroll. Yes, yes. And um, when you wrote about that, 
there were like a million views. Now there's over 20 million views. Tell, tell the people about that and juxtapose that to the American Airlines story you tell in the latest edition. So, yeah, so Dave Carroll uh, is a musician out of Canada, and he was flying um, from his home in Halifax, Nova Scotia, to a gig in um, the Midwest somewhere, I can't remember where, and he was on United flying through Chicago, and as he and his band were looking out the window um, at Chicago's O'Hare Airport, they noticed that the baggage handlers were manhandling their instruments, I'm like throwing, literally, literally throwing them. And so um, once they got to the destination where they had a, they had a, uh, a gig, they, Dave opened up his um, guitar case and sure enough, his, his beloved Taylor guitar was broken. So what Dave did was he wrote a song <laughs> and then they, the band performed the song on video at um, United Breaks Guitars. And it's actually a really cool and clever song. And the video is, was hysterical because they, they recreated the scene of throwing the guitar in a, in a very funny and humorous way. And um, the video just captured that incident in a fabulous way. And um, it just went viral because so many of us have had frustrating experiences with, um, with the airlines. And um, when we're frustrated, we, we feel like we want to fight back. And it's, you feel like you're shouting into, into nowhere if, if you're just going through the customer support department. He bypassed the customer support department by going through YouTube. And um, as you said, it very quickly got a million views uh, and it's uh, tons more views now. Um, but Dave got United's attention, that's for sure. Um, he ended up getting also mentioned in tons of mainstream media stories. Magazines, radio, television, newspaper were talking about United Breaks Guitars. He also got a lot of speaking gigs out of that on customer experience. He did. He pivoted his business. Um, he's still a musician, still does some gigs, but he's now, uh, he, he then started to do a lot of speaking gigs, as you said. And, and I actually had never met Dave in person, although we were social media friends. And I, I talked about him a number of times, put him in, in the new rules of marketing and PR books. But um, we actually ended up speaking at the same event in, of all places, Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it was great because, um, you know, I speak all over the world. I've, I've presented in over 40 countries and I love it. Um, as we're recording this, of course, not because of COVID, but, at this, but normally I'm speaking all over the world. And, and um, so I got invited to speak at this cool event in Istanbul. And then I said, yeah, yeah I'm in and struck the deal. And then I checked out the, um, uh, once they built the website, checked out the other speakers. Oh, cool. Dave Carroll's going to be there. And, and then we emailed each other. And so we had a really fun time actually meeting in person, went out for a couple of drinks together. It was great. Cool. So American Airlines, you had a slightly different experience with. Um, so recently, actually, maybe a year ago, uh, it was a really interesting experience with American Airlines. I, um, I was flying from Boston to um, New York. I live in Boston. I was going to an event in New York. My wife was with me and the plane took off. 
and we hit a flock of geese. <laughs> and um, um, we didn't know it at the time, but then all of a sudden, it, it was about one minute into the flight, the pilot just like did some Air Force maneuvers. I mean, he banked like crazy and he gets on the loudspeaker, goes, we're making an emergency landing. And then um, we ended up coming into um, the back to Logan Airport really quickly. Um, and then we, we were on the tarmac and he braked really quickly. And then um, the emergency trucks came out. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, and then um, we were on the tarmac for about 20 minutes, but then they towed us back into the gate. And it turned out that the, um, uh, the geese had, had put blood and, and feathers all over the front of the plane. I mean, it was pretty dramatic. Um, and what I realized later um, is that the pilot actually called in an emergency landing. And um, so because it was called an emergency landing over the, um, the system that the pilot can, that can uh, communicate with the ground, all of the, um, the me members of the media had that um, keyword into the feed and then everyone was alerted, oh my God, there's an emergency landing at Logan, what the hell's going on? And then I walked out of the plane uh, I was the first one out. I was sitting in the front of the plane, um, got out, um, went to the window, took a picture of blood and feathers on the front of the plane and tweeted it out and said, oh, my God, my plane just had an emergency landing at Logan Airport, American Airlines, tagged them on both on Twitter. I put that on Twitter and then um, my Twitter feed exploded because all of those members of the media wanted to interview me and get permission to use my photo because I was the first person to post an image and in fact, the only person to post an image of that experience. So yeah, you can never tell what's going to hit the fan, but you, you had the, <laughs> the present literally hit the fan, right? So yeah. you had the presence of mind to do this, to share it immediately. And you did. You I did. Your own story in your own book about this. And it's 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 a valid one, um, and it and again it, it emphasizes the the power uh, same kind of power uh, in a different way that Dave Carroll exploited exactly. And in my case, um, I was on I was everywhere. That photo was everywhere. I was interviewed um, on ABC World News Tonight, the national news. I had um, um, that photograph was shown on CBS and NBC and the Weather Channel. Uh, it made the newspapers. It was in the Boston Globe and the New York Post. I mean, it was, it was, that photo was everywhere. I had long lost friends and relatives contacting me from all over the planet saying, oh my God, I just saw your picture. I just saw you. Um, in the news. And what's, what's really remarkable is that any single person, any one of us, anybody listening into this, if you're in the right place at the right time, can generate attention for yourself, for your business, for your ideas, um, just by being uh, able to push something out into social media that the world wants. Very cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with David Meerman Scott. You can find David on LinkedIn. You can find him on Facebook. Uh, I suggest you find him also at his website, davidmeermanscott.com, M-E-E-R-M-A-N. And we'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. I'm here with David Meerman Scott. We're discussing uh, various aspects of Web 2.0 tools, but particularly the seventh edition of the new rules of marketing in PR. I have all seven editions now on my uh, on my bookshelf. Uh, well, actually, I think I loaned my sixth edition to my daughter so she can start blogging better, but they're here. Uh, if you don't have any of them, get the seventh. It's a great resource for this. David, uh, let's talk about uh, real-time damage control. Sure. Real-time damage control, so important. The whole world is real-time right now. That's the thing. That's the thing that's so interesting to me is that, you know, at one time, not so long ago, um, organizations that went into damage control mode, um, they had a 24-hour news cycle to work with. Um, that 24-hour news cycle meant that if something came out in the media, um, then you had 24 hours to formulate a response, contact a journalist or many journalists, and then tell your story, and then it would appear that night in the nightly news and the next morning in the newspapers. That's no longer the case. That's no longer the case at all. What's happening now is that we are in a 24-7 real-time instant. It's happening right this second world. Um, and so damage control is no longer the luxury of figuring out what you're going to say and then getting your thing perfectly drafted and issuing a press release or whatever. It's about making sure that you're um, in the thick of it when the world is talking about you, especially if there's something that you need to address when it's, um, when it's considered an, uh, something negative going on with your business. And, uh, and that's really essential right now is to get out there in front. I always tell people, that wherever that uh, news is breaking is a good place to start um, to communicate your side of what's going on in that particular story, the damage control. So, for example, we talked about Dave Carroll, the musician, and in his case, um, United Airlines broke his guitar, and then Dave chose to create a song and put that song on YouTube. Um, so that's where that originally came out. Now, I would have recommended to United Airlines that they do damage control on YouTube. Don't issue a press release. Don't do the traditional thing. But Dave did it on YouTube. You do it on YouTube. You could, how cool would it have been for um, somebody who's a baggage handler or the head of the baggage handling department in O'Hare to respond back somehow on YouTube to Dave? That'd be pretty interesting. Um, I was actually imagining the video that they could make would be showing what happens when a bag comes off of one airplane, goes into the baggage handling system in the bowels of O'Hare Airport, goes on the Disneyland rides underneath the airport, comes out at the other end, gets on another little truck and goes to another little airplane all in like 14 minutes. That's cool. I'd love to see that and then speed it up somehow so that it's only a one minute video. Um, you know, United chose not to do that. Um, and if something is breaking in Twitter, um, you know, every company these days should have a Twitter feed. Um, if something's breaking in Twitter, respond on Twitter. Um, you know, don't, don't, again, don't go do the traditional, oh, we're going to write a press release thing. Um, do that response in the same media where that story is breaking. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. 
So let's shift gears here. Um, the, the, one of the things that really got to me, it gets to me every time I read a new edition, uh, and actually a couple of your other books too, Newsjacking, um, Marketing the Moon, <laughs> Hmm. Um, worldwide rave, the whole content sharing thing, you know, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Grateful Dead book that you did with Brian, Marketing mm-hmm. Lessons of the Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. you know, sharing information. So there's a ton out there. I love the democratization thing, but how do you get your content above the fold? How do you get it noticed? Yeah. Getting above the fold, important stuff, you know, um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to get attention in the online world by creating content, and that could be video, could be audio, could be um, a blog post, some written text, a photo, doesn't matter. But what a lot of people do is they focus on their product or their service or their company or their idea. They're not focused on the people they're trying to reach. I call them their buyer personas. They're not focused on those sorts of people. And that's a big mistake. If you really want to get attention, don't write for your own ego. Don't try to sell something. Instead, focus on the buyers, the people you're trying to reach. Focus on their problems. Create content that will be valuable for them. Okay. So um, any any tips on taking it that one step further? Yeah, you know, what I, what I um, frequently uh, will suggest is a really good technique is you put the content out um, in one particular media. Um, and I can give you an actual example, which I did myself um, yesterday. Um, I was, <laughs> this is more information than you need to know, Mark, but I think it's, uh, it's important to the story. I was in the shower yesterday morning And I had this idea that just came to me in the shower. Um, And the idea was that um, as, as we're recording this, we're, you know, we're in lockdown, many of us for COVID-19 and we're doing a lot of video calls on zoom and other video platforms. And so I was thinking to myself, gosh, I really hate those backgrounds that people use those fake backgrounds, you know, like, like waves at a beach or something, something on the background of their zoom rather than just having the room that they're in. I hate those things. I thought, well, shoot, I should do a video about that. So I, I did. And yesterday morning after I got out of the shower, ate my breakfast, came up to my office, and I shot um, four, you know, six or seven little tiny scenes just um, using, my, you know, using my computer um, uh, cam. Uh, it wasn't a big deal. And then I had my daughter, who's my video editor, um, cut them up into a video, and, um, and I put it on YouTube. But then what's interesting, I think, is that you share it across all kinds of different networks. So what I did is I put it on on YouTube and then I embedded that same video in my blog. And then I shared the same video on my Facebook. I shared a link to the same video on my Twitter. I shared, um, I put the, the video on my LinkedIn and it kind of went ballistic um, on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, it's had a fabulous um, reception on um, all of those networks so far. And I think what, um, you know, what made this particular video work, um, and, I, and it was a funny kind of video that I did. Um, you know, I made fun of 
those um, uh, backgrounds that so many people use. Um, and, um, and because I did that, I made fun of it. Um, and because I pushed it out on these different networks, um, it, you know, it got a, quite a lot of attention. I know, Mark, you're a huge LinkedIn expert. So um, this has been less than 24 hours. And you got almost 4,000 views. I'm looking at it right now. 4,000 4, views, 184 likes and 74 comments. That's pretty darn good. Um, and that was just based on on me pushing this. And this is just one network. It also went out on my on right. those other networks right. I mentioned. Um, so I think the, what worked, the reason that this one worked for me was I did what we just talked about. This wasn't trying to pitch my business. It wasn't trying to sell a product. Um, it was just a humorous look at how people use Zoom videos. Um, so it has more potential to get noticed because it's something that people find interesting as opposed to something I'm trying to sell using video. The second thing is that I shared it across multiple networks um, and I made it easy for people to share no matter what network they were in. Um, so I think those are, and, and I did use hashtags and you mentioned hashtags. I did use hashtags as well um, to try to get attention that way. So I think there's multiple ways to get attention. And I think that um, no one way works every time, but the, the more broadly you share and the more you focus on the people you're trying to reach as opposed to yourself, the more likely it is to succeed. Yeah, I want to say two things to this. Uh, because of your popularity as a writer and a speaker, I would have hashtagged David Meerman Scott in this, as well as the COVID and coronavirus. Um, the other thing is you mentioned that this was edited by your daughter, who also happens to be your co-author for your last book, Fanocracy. Yeah, both of those are correct. Yep. Um, uh, Reiko is my co-author of Fanocracy, and um, she's a just graduated from medical school um, in April and will be uh, joining the emergency medicine department at Boston Medical Center as, uh, as an emergency resident in the next couple of weeks. Um, so she's a multi-talented young lady. She's a writer, she's an MD, and she edits my videos. How crazy is that? That's cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with David Meerman Scott, author of, among many others, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, 7th edition. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Again, I'm here with David Meerman Scott. We're discussing uh, issues around, not, not anything particularly, we've told a couple of stories from, the new rules of marketing in PR, seventh edition. If you go to Amazon, make sure you get the seventh edition uh, because it is completely updated and uh, it's, it's an absolutely great read and good instruction. Uh, so, David, we were just talking about the video you posted all hmm. over uh, yesterday or the day before, and I'm, I'm looking at your picture here, so I, I like that. Um, <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the expanding use of video because you sure. talked about that in all of the editions. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that in the early days, when I first started talking about video back in 2007 with the first edition of the New Rules of Marketing and PR, 
doing a video um, and getting it onto YouTube was hard work. <laughs> I mean, you know, you needed to get a video camera um, and then you needed to take the video from that video camera and get it into a computer somehow. And then you had to edit it um, in some way and then upload it. I mean, it was, it was pretty convoluted. Um, what's cool now is just with the device in your pocket, your phone, you can shoot a video and upload it directly from your phone to one of the video services or even to directly to one of the social networks. So the idea of video has gone from something that was difficult and that many people were scared of and that many people focused on really expensive, highly produced videos, especially in the corporate market, to a world we're in right now where I'm just a big, big fan of the idea of shooting videos um, that are warm and friendly and feel as though you're, um, uh, you're together with those people. So um, I studied the idea of how and why people um, are attracted to video, especially video of people. And it turns out that we humans are hardwired to want to be part of a tribe of like-minded people. And that's hardwired because um, we, we are safe and comfortable when we're with people that we know that we're familiar with, and we're uncomfortable when we're with people who we don't know, which is exactly why when you walk into a, a crowded party and you know a bunch of people there, you feel great. And you walk into a crowded elevator, you don't know those people, you feel a little bit nervous. Um, it's because um, the closer you get to someone, the more powerful the human connections. And that is, is especially true at about four feet. Now, you know, right now we're on lockdown. You shouldn't be that close to people. But in normal situations, four feet is cocktail party distance. And when you're four feet away from someone and you know and trust them and like them, that's really powerful stuff. Um, and so um, there's another kind of neuroscience, which we looked at, um, which is really interesting. It's called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons are the part of our brains that fire when we um, see something or happen or even hear something happen as if it's um, happening to us. So let me demonstrate that. So the mirror neurons are the part of our brain that fires when we see or hear something happen as if, our, as if we are doing it ourselves. So what I'm going to do, Mark, I'm going to take a bite of a lemon right now. Ready? So, oh my gosh, wow, that lemon, my eyes close and my eyes are actually watering a little bit. My mouth is puckering up and saliva glands are doing those things. I mean, for me personally to eat a lemon, that's a really powerful thing. But everybody listening in, your brains are firing too. And you're tasting a little bit of that lemon yourself. Did you feel that lemon, Mark? Oh, yeah. Crazy, right? So that's mirror, that's mirror neurons. Now, here's where that becomes really, really interesting when it comes to video. Because I just mentioned that um, the most powerful human connections are about four feet away. Now, if you're filming videos about four feet away from the camera, in other words, that the person who's seeing the video uh, feels as if it was shot from four feet away, even though intellectually you and I know that um, I'm not in the same room as that person who's shot that video, our mirror neurons kick in and we feel as though 
we're in the same room with that person. We feel as though we personally know the person who shot that video, which is exactly why we feel we know a movie star. We know intellectually we've never met that movie star, but our brain tells us that we're friends with that movie star. So this is why video is so powerful. Um, casual video, not highly produced, casual video, shot with your phone is fine, shot with a screen cam is fine. Look directly at the camera, be casual about it. No, you don't need makeup, you don't need special lights, casual about it. And the people on the other end of that, uh, of that video, the people watching that video will feel like they're your friend. And there's a number of different um, people who I interviewed for the book who have built massive followings by doing that. One of them is named Matt Reisinger. Matt's a builder in Austin, Texas. And Matt has built his business from zero to um, uh, over $20 million in revenue, his building um, uh, business, because he creates YouTube videos about, about building science. And that those YouTube videos have become so popular, he has now actually created a business around his building videos. It's called the Build Network. And he's generating um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue from advertising and sponsorships. He's getting paid to do his marketing. And it all comes down to this idea of creating videos that people feel as though they know you and in their brain, they feel like they know you. And that is a really powerful way to market a business. That's fascinating to me for a variety of reasons, because outside of speaking gigs and a little bit of networking. I don't get out a tremendous amount. And there's always people at events that come up to me and say, you know, great to see you again. I'm pretty sure we haven't met. (laughs) (laughs) um, They might be, they probably were reacting to your videos, Mark. uh, uh, There's video. You have a YouTube page now, by the way, or a YouTube uh, 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 company page or whatever they call it. You have like 80 videos out there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nutty. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, I want to shift gears. So this is going to go out via Apple, I, iTunes, Podcast One, and it'll be on the station website as well. But the whole podcasting thing is another area. I mean, when you did Fanocracy with your daughter, you did how, how many podcasts? 150 so far. Jeez, Louise. Am I the first one for the new book? You are. I love when that happens. Absolutely. (laughs) I won't be the last, David. Um, (laughs) So what's the power of podcast? So podcasting is really, really, really interesting for a variety of reasons. But what I find fascinating is that many other forms of content um, are very, very short you know, videos that go over a minute or two, it's hard to keep, capture people's attention. Blog posts, more than a few hundred words, it's hard to capture people's attention. Twitter, obviously, very short form content. Uh, Instagram, very short form content. TikTok has taken off. That's 15 second videos. Um, but podcasting, 
and vid and audio content is one of the few places that it's long form content because people tend to consume podcasts uh, frequently in their cars, at the gym, when they're doing their commute, that's those sorts of things. And they will, uh, they choose which one to listen to and they will happily listen for 15 minutes, a half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour to a podcast. And, um, and, and many podcasts are interview format, much like we're doing right here. And interviews or interviewers of those podcasts are always looking for guests. So my strategy to get attention for my book, Fanocracy, that came out a couple of months ago, was to be on as many podcasts as possible. And um, 150, 100 of them dropped the week the book published. I pre-recorded them with the hosts. And um, that was one of the main reasons why we hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list with that book. I love when that happens. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break uh, and come back and wrap up. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, my guest, David Meerman Scott, will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with David Meerman Scott. David and I have uh, we've known each other for about 13 years now since the first edition of the New Rules of Marketing and PR came out. And in, in the first couple of editions, uh, LinkedIn wasn't mes- mentioned uh, than then it was. And, uh, and now you obviously talk about networks that I have no clue about. So mm-hmm. my question to you is, what is your preferred social networking venue? Oh, good question. So, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people um, don't, understand about social networks is that the content that you create in a social network no longer belongs to you. It belongs to that social network and they can do with it whatever they want. Um, One of the changes in the seventh edition, the most recent edition of the new rules of marketing and PR is that I had to eliminate a social network that was quite popular. It had tens of millions of users and that's Google plus. Um, and I think you had a presence on Google Plus. I had a presence on Google Plus. Many people had presences on Google Plus. And so all of a sudden, Google says, ah, we're going to shut it down. Just kidding. So imagine those people, and I didn't do a whole lot in Google Plus, but imagine people who'd spent a lot of time there, who created a whole bunch of content there, who put posted you know, dozens or even hundreds of videos there. That's all gone now. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think that for me, my social network of choice is my own personal blog, which is hosted on my website, davidmeermanscott.com. And the reason is because that's real estate that I own. That's real estate that I personally own. Um, and, uh, and so ultimately that becomes my most important social network. Um, the most, the social network I'm in the most is Twitter because it's, it's so easy to take a, you know, a minute to write a tweet, like two minutes to, to check out a hundred tweets from the people I follow really easy stuff. Um, and I think when people are evaluating which social networks that they should go on, Um, I always recommend that they give some thought to the type of person they are, the things that they like to do. You know, I'm a writer. So for me, a blog is a written form of content. Twitter is a written form of content. I feel really comfortable there. 
Um, for other people, um, video may be really comfortable. Or doing what you're doing right now, Mark, is, is you're creating um, uh, an audio, pod, uh, uh, it'll go other places, but it's a podcast, it's audio. Uh, it's interviewing somebody um, back and forth uh, using our voice. So what are you most comfortable with? What are the things that you want to do? What are the things that, you know, photographs, another form, you know, um, Instagram and other places that you can share photographs. And people who are artistic can create infographics as a form of communications. So I think the first thing is consider that uh, the social network that you go on, any one of them, they own your content, you don't. Anything can be done with it. Second thing, try to own your own real estate somewhere. In my, in my case, I have a website and a blog. Um, and then thirdly, where, what are you comfortable with? What do you like to do? What medium do you love to work in? Because if you don't like it, you won't keep it up. You know, many people start blogs but don't keep them up because they don't like it. Or they start podcasts and don't keep them up because they don't like it. You should only do what you like. And then finally, at one more point is don't beat yourself up if you don't do all of the social networks. Uh, well, you can't possibly do all of them because there's thousands of them. You, you know, oh my God, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on, not on Instagram. I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on um, Tumblr. I'm, I'm not on TikTok. Well, that's fine. Choose one or two and do them well rather than trying to do all of them poorly. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I, I've focused obviously on LinkedIn for a number of years now. And I, I think it uh, pays off well. I enjoy it. I teach it. I coach on it. But, but you, what, what you said there at the end also resonates. I do a coaching program for companies and individuals on building the subject matter expert platform. And the, the key to building that area of expertise is the passion for mm. it. And I know right. this is a big thing with, with you. So why? Passion is infectious. I find it fascinating, Mark, that when somebody shares something that they're passionate about on social networks, um, I mean, it really comes through and people naturally want to do business with you. And what's interesting, as I was studying this idea of passion, is that it doesn't even have to be passion for the business that you're in. And um, I have an example of that. Um, had an opportunity to spend time with um, uh, a dentist. His name is Dr. John Marashi. It's a brand new story in the seventh edition of the New Rules of Marketing and PR. Uh, and Dr. Marashi is a dentist in Southern California. And I met him at a Tony Robbins event. I speak at Tony Robbins Business Mastery events. He came up to me after my talk and he said, David, I love what you're talking about, but how the heck can I use that? I'm just a dentist. And I said, well, everyone can use these ideas. Um, what do you love to do, Dr. Marashi? And he says, I love to skateboard. And like, oh, that's cool. You love to skateboard. Let's focus on your passion for skateboarding. And so um, I just threw out a couple of ideas and then Dr. Marashi ran with them. So here's what he does. Um, physically in his practice, he has skateboards on the wall. Um, he skateboards from one examination room to another. On his website, he has pictures of him skateboarding. I mean, this is kind of radical because most dentist websites are just the facts. You know, where'd you go to school kind of thing. Um, and Dr. Marashi um, is also a, um, 
uh, got a great Instagram. And on his Instagram, Dr. Marashi um, focuses on sharing these ideas of skateboarding, pictures of him skateboarding. He has 14,000 followers of his Instagram. Um, amazing. And this has grown his business by 30%. It's absolutely amazing. People that skateboard need dentists too. Yes. Um, well, so. and what's, in, what's interesting is that um, he's now known not just as a dentist in Southern California, he's the skateboarding dentist. And um, that's helped grow his business. And, um, and he, lo- he loves doing it. And it's not because other skateboarders find him. It's because people are attracted to the fact that he's incredibly passionate about what he does. That passion is infectious. You know, and, and Southern California would be the perfect place for that kind of activity. So hopefully, you know, people probably, uh, when they see skateboarders out there, they're going to think, you know, maybe it is my dentist. Yeah, right. No, it's, and, 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 and so, any one of us can do this. Just, you know, share what we're passionate about. And on social networks, so many people, it's just all business all the time. You know, share what you love. And you, you well know that I love the Grateful Dead and I love live music in general. And I'm sharing that on my social networks all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you've been to how many concerts? And 804 live concerts, 75 Grateful Dead concerts. And, and, and many people who follow me on social networks know that I love, 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 love live music. I mean, that's a, that's a part of my personal brand, and that's important stuff to do. It made it easy to tell Dave Carroll's story, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. David, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you, Mark, as, um, as is with you. Great. Uh, This is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I specialize in LinkedIn and social selling, the content marketing side of the universe, differentiating and building a subject matter expert platform. So if that's of interest, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.